Welcome back, everyone, to a new edition of the Bears Index Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Doherty, and I have the great pleasure of being joined later on in the show by Jonathan Wood, a writer for the Bears blog and someone I'd consider a Chicago Bears data scientist. We'll get into what his data has discovered regarding this Bears team so far this season. We'll also touch on the recent Jordan Howard news. Will he be traded? Should he be traded? Also, with a Week 6 matchup looming against the Miami Dolphins, how will this Bears team respond after their impressive 48-10 win at home against Tampa Bay in Week 4? All that and more on this edition of the Bears Index Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the second edition of the Bears Index podcast. Finally feels like football weather here in Pennsylvania. Last week, it was 80 degrees all week. Today, you wake up, it's a simmering 57 degrees, windy, little breeze in the air, okay? Couldn't be more excited for football. Now that the football weather is back, hope you guys have had an awesome week. To all that listened to the debut episode of the Bears Index podcast, thank you so much for your support. Appreciate every single one of you. As always, I am your host, Chris Doherty. You can find me on the internet, particularly the Twitternet, twitter.com at chrisnfl32. If you want to talk football, you want to talk Bears, that's where you're going to do it. Twitter.com backslash ChrisNFL32. That's me, always. Would love to have you guys chime in the mentions. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know what you want to hear on the podcast. I'll tell you what you're going to hear on the podcast. Today we're talking Chicago Bears, obviously, if the title didn't give it away. We're going to be joined by Jonathan Wood, if you follow Chicago Bears and and their writers on Twitter and some of the talking heads, you'll know Jonathan, okay? He's a guy who I consider to be a data scientist when it comes to the Bears, okay? He's someone that when he gets a chance, he dives pretty deep into what the Bears are doing, what they're not doing, some of the things he's seeing, Okay, we're going to have him on the show a little bit later. Until then, we're going to cover some things that I really want to get off my chest. Okay, it's week six here in the NFL. Bears are coming off a bye week. A really, really important game against Miami on Sunday. Okay, a lot is really at stake over the next couple weeks for the Chicago Bears. Okay, it's great that they started off 3-1. and one, Had a really, really big game. Uh, obviously, against Tampa Bay two weeks ago, 48-10 to 10 win. Trubisky throwing the six touchdowns, defense shutting down that Tampa Bay offense, and the Fitzmagic died at Soldier Field officially. 
benched for Jameis Winston in the second half. Fitzmagic died in Chicago at the hands of Cleo Mack and company. A lot of really good things came out of that game. Offensively, even more polished than the week before. Defensively, dominant all over the field in every aspect of the game. A lot to be excited about. Okay. Week off. A really big game against New England at home next week. Is this team going to overlook the Miami Dolphins? Who have lost two straight. A team that doesn't really have an identity. Has a lot of guys injured. You wonder about that, right? You wonder what this game is going to bring on Sunday. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I really do. So, uh, a lot to get into tonight with not all the time in the world. We try to keep it relatively short, relatively sweet. That way you guys can listen, get your fill, move on with the day. So, again, that's a little bit of a a longer intro to the show. Might as well get right into it. Recently, especially during the bye week, there's been some talk that Jordan Howard – Could be a trade candidate for some teams looking for a running back, particularly the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost Jay Ajayi for the entire season with a torn ACL. It was his right ACL this time. I believe he tore his left ACL at Boise State. Jordan Howard's not going anywhere. At least he shouldn't. Okay? He's a super valuable part of this offense. I think when you look at Matt Nagy and the type of coach he is and what he looks to do, he looks for mismatches, okay? He's a guy that wants to be able to use his weapons against teams in ways that they're not going to be able to stop them. And he's gotten so many different players involved offensively that I think House didn't fit the mismatch chess game that Nagy was playing against Dirk Cutter and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last weekend, two weekends ago. Tariq Cohen had a, had a pretty good game, really good game, okay? Taylor Gabriel, breakout game. Anthony Miller's had some good games this season. Trey Burton's starting to come on a lot stronger recently. Allen Robinson getting a lot more involved. Jordan Howard wasn't his game. Hasn't had a big game this year. Has he been underutilized? Maybe. But Jonathan will point out later in the show how he's currently fitting into the offense, some things that the trends he's seeing tells about what his future could be in Chicago. Listen, I mean, mean, here's the thing. I, I don't think that anyone in Hallis Hall is seriously going to consider trading Jordan Jordan Howard. You're three and one. You're at the top of the division. He's another weapon in your arsenal. Why would you trade him? Benny Cunningham isn't scaring anybody. Tariq Cohen isn't scaring anybody. By himself. Tariq Cohen is good because of the fact that he complements a player like Jordan Howard. You get rid of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen becomes your feature back. One, his body's not built like that. So it's not going to withstand it. Two... Jordan Howard's been a really productive back in the NFL in his first two years. We're four games into his third year. The wheels haven't fallen off for him. He's still a really good back. 
he's going to find his fits in this offense. It's just going to take some time. I'm not as worried as most people are, and if you think he's going to be traded, I think you're dead wrong. You know, I I don't want to spoil your Cheerios, but he's not going to the Eagles. He's not getting traded anywhere else. He's going to be a bear, and he's going to be productive, and that's just the end of it. Set the most yards rushing in his first two years in Bears history. Think back to some of the running backs that have worn the Chicago Bears uniform. It's a pretty damn impressive thing for him to have done in his first two years. Listen, this entire offense is going to go through growth. There's going to be growing pains, which we've seen with Mitch. And and against Tampa Bay two weeks ago, he started to really find some comfort zones. Trey Burton starting to find some comfortability in this offense. A lot of guys are still trying to find their footing, find their niche, and and find their way in this offense. Some guys are clicking better than others because of the role they're being asked to play. And I think Jordan's going to be the same thing. I'm not as worried about Jordan Howard as people think you need to be. So where I'll leave it with Jordan Howard is, listen, it's not as much of a problem as people think it is. It, he's not going to have one bad game and Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to sit down and say, well, you know what? I mean, based on that game against Tampa, I think it's time we move on from Jordan Howard. Sports are now so data-driven. The data doesn't support that. And that's why we're going to have Jonathan Wood on the show. Jonathan's a guy, again, writes for DeBear's blog, a guy that takes a really deep dive into the data that you don't typically think or look at when thinking about where this Bears team is or where they're going or currently what they're doing. And with that, I'd like to welcome Jonathan to the show. And now we welcome on Jonathan Wood from the Bears blog. He's a Chicago Bears writer. You can find him on Twitter and his work at Jonathan underscore Wood one. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. So again, welcome. Obviously want to talk to you about the Bears, some of the stuff you've been writing. You tend to do a lot more of the the X's and O's, the deep data dives. And you recently released an article about some of the trends under head coach Matt Nagy's offense. In that process of writing that article, what are some things that you found that not only surprised you, but may surprise some Bears fans out there that, that don't know what you know right now? Well, one of the things that I found was really interesting was the uh, run-pass splits when they line up in shotgun versus under center. So when Trubisky's in shotgun, they're only running 28% of the time. And when he lines up under center, they're running about 70% of the time. And so that's a, a big difference right there that I think can be a little bit too predictable for defenses because then when they're running out of shotgun, they're averaging close to five yards per carry, but under center is only three yards per carry. 
So I'd like to see those uh, get a little bit more balanced out. When running out of shotgun, because one of the topics that came up this week was Jordan Howard, possible trade candidate for other teams. How does how the Bears run out of both shotgun and under center impact a player like Jordan Howard, who last last game they played against Tampa Bay didn't have the snap count that everybody was looking for? Yeah, I don't have uh, the exact stats for that in front of me, but I know Howard's been really good running out of the shotgun, uh, both in college and the few chances he got the last couple years uh, with the Bears. So I would think if they would give him a chance to do that more, it would probably maybe help some of his struggles out um, a little bit. And um, when they're lined up in shotgun, I imagine they probably see more lighter boxes, which Howard typically really does well against because they can get him kind of going a little bit. He takes a while to get going, but once he gets going, he can run over some of those smaller defenders and really does well um, against like nickel fronts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so in your finding with some of these trends outside of the shotgun, obviously a lot of new weapons offensively around Mitchell Trubisky, your Taylor Gabriels, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton, Allen Robinson, what are some things that you're seeing with these new players and how Nagy's incorporating them into the offense? Yeah, I actually looked at some uh, run pass splits for when some of the rotational guys are on and off the field, like a Deion Sims, Anthony Miller, Kevin White, guys who play a decent amount, but not all the time. And I was actually pretty impressed with how balanced they're being with those guys on and off. Like I would I was worried that we might see like, you know, Deion Sims isn't much of a pass catcher to put it mildly, um, that it would be really lopsided to running when he's in the game. But it's actually been pretty balanced with both him and Kevin White, even though they're not really passing targets, they're still on the field for passing plays. The one thing I noticed, obviously, with Anthony Miller being hurt for the Buccaneers game, Taylor Gabriel played a ton of snaps, had a really big impact in the game. In that game against Tampa Bay, would you say that Gabriel's impact is what Miller's role is supposed to be? Or do you think that's the role Gabriel was brought here to play? I actually think that's the role Gabriel was brought here to play. Um, a lot of those passes were, were deep shots that have been there the first couple of weeks, but Trubisky wasn't really connecting on them quite right. And they connected in that game and it was very good. Uh, Miller actually has, uh, one of the stats I dug up in this is Miller has one of the shortest average target depths um, of any wide receiver in the NFL. So he's mostly being used on un with their average targets. So they're getting the deep shots. Very, very interesting. And with Trubisky, a, a lot of the early season struggles, what are what is the data telling you in terms of what attributed to his early season struggles versus how he came out in that Tampa Bay game throwing six touchdowns. Yeah, I don't really know that I have a ton of data for what happened there because it's such a small sample size. He just had one game that was totally different than the other three. Um, just kind of more watching what happens. I think in the first few games, he looked to me like he was thinking more than playing which kind of just throws off all your timing a little bit, your slow processing, your fundamentals get thrown off a little bit. And I was 
just noticed a lot watching him in the Tampa Bay game. He didn't look like he was thinking. He was just out there playing because it like made sense to him. And I think a lot with the new offense until that point, we hadn't really seen that much. Do you think that's better for a guy like Mitch Trubisky to think less, play more, right? Do you, do you not think that you want him to be a guy like like an Aaron Rodgers or an, an Andrew Luck or a Drew Brees where they're they're really kind of breaking things down before they make that throw? Do you, do you think he's more of kind of just a gamer at quarterback? What are you seeing in now what is a first full season under center for Mitch Trubisky? Well, I think for any player really – uh, you want them just playing more than thinking, just kind of reacting naturally and instinctively to what's happening out there. Because um, if you're if you're thinking too much, it just slows everything down a little bit. Um, I actually have more of a basketball background as a an, an athlete my, um, in high school, and the analogy I always like to make there is like when you're going through a bit of a shooting slump, um, you start like thinking about your form, and it slows it down and just throws everything a little bit off, and you aren't making shots and you just have to stop thinking about it and let your muscle memory take over. I think we were seeing a lot of that with Trubisky with making his reads through the offense and his mechanics throwing. That's a, that's a really good analogy. I never thought about it like that. Talking about a guy that's doing a lot less thinking, a lot more playing Khalil Mack, a guy that you have done a lot of work on and, and a guy that anyone that covers the bears, watches the bears is, is absolutely enamored with, what are some of the data points that you've come up with that really speaks to how impactful he's been in Chicago this season? Yeah, I mean, just look at the defense. It's basically the same defense as last year. They just added Khalil Mack, and they went from like a good above-average defense to probably the best one in the NFL. It's been awesome. Um, a, a couple stats that kind of jumped out to me a little bit were I was breaking down like where teams are trying to run on the Bears, and they're running away from Mack and Hicks's side, which is like off the right tackle area. They've only run 21 times to the right, and they're going 38 times to the left. So they're trying to avoid those guys. They haven't really had any success doing it, but they're trying that. Um, another stat that really jumped out to me was um, when Mack is off of the field, the pass defense gets about 28% worse, and the run defense gets 7% worse. So it's just individually, that's kind of the impact he's having. He's just a wrecking ball, uh, both against the run and the pass. And it's awesome to watch. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm actually, I have your article in front of me right now. And, and the one thing I'm looking at is the pass defense, that, that, that little chart there that you have. The short middle is where the Bears seem to, to give up a lot of their plays, right? 86% completion percentage on 28 plays. Does that speak to having young guys in there like Nick Kwiatkowski and, and Roquan Smith, which I know you mentioned a little bit. I want to let you elaborate a little bit more on that in terms of why you think that's an area of, of concern for them right now uh, on pass defense. Yeah, um, actually, the more I looked into that, the more I think it's just kind of a function of them playing with the lead a lot because – if you're playing with the lead, you want to keep passes short and you want to keep them in the middle of the field so the clock keeps running. And so it kind of makes that zone of the field look bad for their defense. But when I went back through and looked at just the first through third quarter, so kind of removing some of the garbage time from that, that dropped from 28 passes to just nine. Like 
244 yards and nine passes is not a problem at all. So I think that's largely been a function of just garbage time and the bears are fine to give up those yards as long as it's bleeding the clock. And they're doing a good job of limiting the yards after catch there and just kind of tackling and teams aren't doing much with it. During this process of you being able to find this type of data, does it show in the past defense how impactful this front seven has been? Does it, does it speak to this chart? Or, or maybe I should say it the other way. Does this chart speak to how impactful this front seven has been through the first five weeks? Honestly, I think um, the stats that show that more than that chart, looking at their past defense in uh, different zones is looking at like their sack numbers. They lead the league in sacks. Well, at least they did before they had the bye week and they, they were doing it with the least blitzing out of any team in the league, which says their front four is getting home. And I think the interception numbers also like the last three years, they've had eight interceptions in the whole season. Each of those three years, they have eight through four weeks right now. And that's because, you know, quarterbacks are getting the ball out earlier before they can fully process what's going on or a couple times while they're getting hit and the ball gets knocked up. So I think like those turnovers that have come from it are really the biggest impact the front seven is having. And a player that you tease a little bit, uh, I, I'm assuming for an upcoming article, is Kyle Fuller, a guy that in the first two weeks of the season essentially got burnt on the same exact plays it looked like uh, in Seattle and, and Green Bay. What are some things that you're seeing in Kyle Fuller? I mean, for a guy that signed a big contract in the offseason and is now expected to live up to that, to that contract, what are some things that you've seen on film or in your data search that say he can be that guy or not? Yeah, um, he, he got a lot, a lot of bad press the first couple of weeks of, of the season between those, those two touchdowns you mentioned and dropping that interception that would have sealed the Green Bay game. I think he's actually been really good so far this year. I mean, both of those touchdowns, he was in really good position. It was just a perfect throw by you know, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, just great quarterbacks. And there's not really a ton you can do about that always. Um, overall for the season, he's only giving up a catch on 55% of the targets he gets and only giving up about six yards per target, which is like three to five yards less than a Prince of Mukamara and Bryce Callahan, who are both playing just fine too. So I think Fuller has quietly been really good. Now, the one thing I also noticed in this article, especially in the past defense, because I think that not that it's a major area of weakness, but they are they have been susceptible to big pass plays throughout the year. And like you had mentioned, that could be because they're playing with the lead. So they are, as you mentioned in your article, you know, playing those softer coverages. Um, how can they avoid and what do you think the trends speak to? when they're playing like that without a lead, what, what do you think that they'll lean back on when they're in situations where they can't really play the soft zone? What are some tendencies outside of that that you've noticed with this defense? That's really hard to say because we've only really seen them play one game where they weren't sitting on a lead for most of the second half because Green Bay, until like the last drive, they were playing with the lead and it was really only Arizona. They kind of had to have the comeback and, I mean, they did their job there, absolutely shut them down after the first quarter. But I just really don't have much to go off of for what they would look like for a full game like that. Yeah, and 
in your data searches, have you have you done much work on on the Miami game yet? Um, not a ton. I've kind of looked a bit at some of Miami's stats just to get a feel for how they match up a little bit. What are your thoughts on that so far? Well, their pass defense, like I've heard a lot of people say their pass defense has been really good this year. Their secondary has been really good, but actually they're, they've been pretty bad everywhere, but grabbing some interceptions, like they're giving up a lot of yards, a lot of completions. They just happen to have 10 interceptions. So I think that's going to be one really big key for the bears is just avoiding those turnovers. Um, I also think this would be a game where the bears would be really well suited to like they've had in three of their first four, have a nice lead going into the fourth quarter just because I actually I grew up in Miami and I know firsthand just how hot it is. there still at this time of year. And I worry about them wearing down when they're not used to the heat. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier in the week, how that could cause them some trouble that heat down there and, Going back a little bit to the offense, I'm looking at your article here talking about how Howard is playing typical lead running back snaps for an Andy Reid offense. Explain that a little bit more to people that are listening that maybe have a little bit concerned with Jordan Howard. And, and you mentioned in the article that he's not struggling or, or not really being phased out the way people may think. What, did, what, are, what have you been able to find and what are your thoughts on the idea that Jordan is possibly being phased out of this offense. Sure. Um, overall for the season, Howard's uh, played about 65% of Chicago's offensive snaps, which is very typical for like a lead back in an Andy Reid offense. So like LaShawn McCoy over the years or a cream hunt in Kansas city last year, we're all in kind of that 60 to 70% range. Um, so he's, he's been getting uh, about the workload that I would have expected um, and actually has been better than expected through the air so far, which has been his, you know, kind of weakness coming into this year. And looking at his running this year, yeah, his yards per carry is really low. And I kind of broke down where that was coming from. And it's basically, um, he's not getting the big plays like he has in the past, like the ones where he's breaking off like 11 or more yards at a time. Those are kind of staying as four or five, six yard carries instead. So it's like, he's, about the same percentage of the time getting to that four or five yard range. And that's often where he can make a man miss and get some more yards or run somebody over. And he just hasn't been doing that this year, um, unfortunately. And what, what I find really interesting to see going forward was um, in the Tampa game, it was actually pretty much an even split between Howard and Cohen. Um, and in fact, Cohen had a bigger role until Howard kind of ran some clock in the fourth quarter. That was also the best game Chicago's offense has played. So I don't know if that's just a coincidence or is a sign of more of what we're going to see going forward. That's definitely something I'm going to be watching. Do you think that's better or worse for this team as the season ages? You know, losing losing snap count for Jordan Howard. You know, uh, Nagy had talked about it during the week. He's a he, he's a mismatch guy, right? He wants to find the mismatches that work for his offense. Jordan Howard, as you had mentioned a little bit, more one-dimensional, right, in terms of being that true downhill runner, kind of between the tackles a little bit, not a great pass catcher. Do you think that's going to limit his productivity in this, this offense where Nagy typically tries to find the most mismatches he can week to week? 
Yeah, I don't know. I actually um, thought that Howard was really going to thrive on the ground this year because typically this offense gets running backs a lot of carries against nickel looks. And like I've said uh, earlier, Howard has done really well against nickel looks, um, better than most running backs. But he just hasn't really had that this year. So in the first three games, which was kind of his biggest role, he was seeing a lot of seven-man fronts, especially in some eight-man fronts even. Um, it was like defenses were just not respecting the passing game. So maybe that'll change going forward, and I could still really see Howard taking off and thriving. And in your thoughts on that, before we let you go here, we're going to keep it with Jordan Howard really quickly. You, you talk about him thriving in this offense. What particularly is the area that he thrives in the most? And where is it outside of pass catching you think he struggles where Tariq Cohen can really shine? Well, I just think um, Howard and Cohen really have different styles that are both can be really effective, right? Howard's more of a bulldozer, uh, whereas Cohen is a real shifty guy who can can make you miss in the open field, whereas Howard's more likely to run over you. And I actually really think there's a, a place for both of those. Like you need both of those. Just having one or the other leaves you um, kind of lacking at the running back position. And I would actually really like to see the Bears experiment more with Howard and Cohen on the field at the same time. Um, in the first four games, they only shared uh, the field for 23 snaps, which is not a lot, like five snaps a game. And so that's a tiny sample size, but they did really well in those plays, either running or passing the ball. So I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, more so than than ever, I think this team has so many different players on offense that can can break a game open, right? Your Taylor Gabriels, your your at Rear Robinson, your Burton, people like that. The one player that I think everybody's a little bit surprised hasn't really had a huge impact the way some thought he would is Trey Burton. I don't know the type of data that you've dug up on him, but what are some of the reasons he hasn't lived up to that big contract he signed in the offseason? Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that as well. He had a, a bit of a slow start to the year, but seems to have been coming on a bit the last few weeks. Um, Bear, the Bears have really been using him as a really big chess piece. He's on the field most of the time, like 85% of the snaps, and he's lining up all over outside both on the left and the right in the slot or as an inline tight end like he's been at all four positions uh, pretty regularly so i think even if he's not putting up huge stats always just his ability to do that gives them a lot of flexibility um, with the same personnel they can line up in different formations and stress defenses differently um, so that even has kind of some hidden value that doesn't show up in the stats as well as i know uh, nagy has talked about before um, this offense a lot of times is set up that that uh, U tight end position that that Burton plays is used to help the quarterback quickly identify coverage. And so just from the route he's running can give you a pretty quick read on if they're in like man or a cover two or cover three. Um, so even again, if he's not getting the ball, there's that added value there from that. Based on some of the things that you've looked at in terms of stats with Miami, I don't, I don't know if you've done much film work on them, but who on offense is a guy that can really be the X factor for the Bears this week? Um, so for the Bears offense or for Miami's offense? For the Bears, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, 
honestly, I'm really interested to see how they use Tariq Cohen again. I think um, Miami's defense actually reminds me a decent bit of Tampa's in that they're pretty solid against the run. But I think if you can stretch them out a bit um, in that regard, you, there's some opportunities there. And the Bears did a good job with that against Tampa using Cohen, who had been really good against the run. And it was hard to run up the middle against them, so they went outside. And I think doing some of that against Miami could uh, be pretty effective too. Yeah, I mean, obviously Miami letting a you know has a has had a little bit of trouble against some of these scat backs uh, throughout the year so far. James White had a really big game against them. Obviously, ten plus catches. I think Jalen Richard did some things in the Raiders game, and and Tariq Cohen obviously a, a back of that that stature and that play style. Um, defensively for the Bears in this Miami game, obviously going up against a Dolphins team that has, I believe, four starting original starting linemen out from week one. Cleo Mack has had some really, really friendly matchups here uh, to start the season. Before we let you go, what, what's your prediction on on this game overall and and who's your standout player defensively for the Bears? I mean, is it cheating to go with Mac? <laughs> Besides him, I would really like to see Leonard Floyd have a breakout game. Um, I yeah, think actually the, the left tackle for the Dolphins is out, so hopefully he can start to get going a bit because he's been really good against the run, but disappointingly quiet against the pass so far this year. Um, in terms of my overall prediction, what I'm hoping we see is something a lot like the Seattle game that, the Bears are kind of in control, especially through their defense. I'm um, just kind of controlling this game, and they're in front enough that even if they wear down a little in the fourth quarter, it won't end up costing them the game. And I think we could easily see something like, what was Seattle? was like a 24-17 or something like that final score. Something like that sounds about right. Okay, awesome. Well, Jonathan, listen, I really appreciate you, you coming on, spending some time with us here on the Bears Index podcast. Um, my one request to you is a guy that I really like this year is Bilal Nichols. If you could give the people some data sometime in the future on a guy that I really think could be a really solid piece on this defensive line moving forward. Um, let every let everybody know where, again, they can find your work because uh, it's some of the best in-depth work that, uh, that I've seen on the Bears uh, and also where they can interact with you on Twitter. Sure. Um, my work uh, gets published on Da Bears blog. Um, I actually, unfortunately, don't have time to write that much during the season. I um, did a bunch of stuff over the bye, but I'm not like doing anything weekly just because I'm a college prof and it's busy. But I do a lot of off-season stuff there, um, looking at what we learned and what we can project going forward. Um, I do talk as much as I can on Twitter, too. Love to interact with people there. Um, uh, my handle is uh, Jonathan underscore Wood one. All right. And guys, that's Jonathan Wood again of the Bears blog. Um, really, really insightful stuff from him today. Hope to have him back on the show sometime uh, this season. Obviously a very busy guy. Really, really happy to have him on. All right. Pleasure was all mine, Chris. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, guys. I mean... Jonathan obviously has done his homework, right? A guy that spends a lot of time taking a look at the film, taking a look at the data. A guy that I really respect the hell out of in terms of his knowledge around the Bears and and someone that I'm really happy we were able to have on the show. 
there's a lot of information in what he had to say. A lot of things that, that took me by surprise the first time I went over his work. And something I'm, I'm really excited to keep, uh, keep utilizing to learn more and more about this team on, on a deeper level. I highly, highly recommend, as mentioned before, you give Jonathan a follow. Again, Jonathan underscore Wood One, writer for the Bears blog, a college professor. I mean, super busy guy, super knowledgeable, uh, a really great resource for, for people like us that want to stay up to date and and in tune with what the Bears are doing. Couldn't couldn't be happier to to have him share some of his free time with us here on the Bears Index podcast. So, Jonathan, thank you again. Moving forward, I don't want to take up too much of anyone's time. We discussed the Jordan Howard uh, talk. We discussed a lot with Jonathan, a lot, and it was really exciting. And now some of the things that we look forward to, okay? Obviously touched on the Miami game a little bit with Jonathan and and want to talk about it a little bit more. Here's my thoughts on on the game. I think... We're looking at a possible trap game. I think that with New England coming into town week seven, this team, this young, hungry, first-place Chicago Bears team could possibly overlook the opponent right in front of them in the Miami Dolphins, a team that's reeling, okay? Uh, start off 3-0, and lost two straight in really ugly fashion, and they're coming off a really big win. So this sets up to be a really big trap game. It's in Miami. It's in the heat. Now listen, Miami's banged up, and, and Chicago's really, really healthy right now. So they do have that working in their favor, but you have a streaky quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. You have a really streaky quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Two pretty good defenses. Um, Dolphins lead the league in turnovers. I think Bobby McCain's going to end up playing, so that helps the secondary a little bit. Minka Fitzpatrick's been a monster. Um, listen, I mean, here's my final prediction, Okay. I have the Bears winning 21 to 19, moving to four and one, and getting ready for a huge game against the Patriots in Week Seven at home. I think they get out to a 14 nothing lead pretty early. I think the Heat gets to them a little bit. I think Miami creeps back. Miami makes it a close game at the end, but the Bears are able to close it out. Again, moving to four and one, gaining a little bit of traction there on first place in the NFC North. And again, looking forward to New England. So. A lot to be excited about with this team. A lot of young talent. A a coach who's not afraid to take chances in Matt Nagy. So, big week. You know, you want to see how this team responds after the bye. Okay, now Nagy uh, played or coached under Andy Reid, a guy who has been historically good after bye weeks. You want to see if he took what he learned from Coach Reid and, and implements it into how he gets these guys to prepare to wind back up and get ready for for combat so you know just a a lot at stake here a lot more than people think because if you miss if you miss the opportunity in this game you're facing a new england team that can take your head off okay and then you got a jets team who's hungry they're a young team too they're looking to find their identity in a division that's been dominated by the patriots and the bills are, are no joke either okay they got a young quarterback a really good defense a lot of the bears match up with a lot of teams that remind them of themselves in a lot of different ways so you want to be able to make the most of these opportunities when you can before you find yourself two three games under 500 really quick so we'll see how we'll see how this this sunday turns out again my prediction bears 21 miami 19 i think the x factor for the bears is is Tariq cohen 
I think Jordan Howard does have a good game. I think he finds himself in the end zone, but I think Tariq Cohen moves them between, you know, between the twenties. So, um, thank you guys so much for sharing your time with me here on the bears index podcast. Again, follow Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan underscore wood one. You can follow us on Twitter at Chris NFL 32. Appreciate all the support that we've gotten with the podcast so far. Appreciate you guys listening.